Jonathan, would you mind briefly telling me what PEN America is and what you do in your role as the Director of Free Expression and Education Programs? Sure. PEN America is a 100-year-old literary and free expression organization. We champion and celebrate creative expression, and we defend the civil liberties that make it possible. In my role, I oversee our research, advocacy, um, and education surrounding efforts at educational censorship or to protect free speech in schools and colleges and universities. Then it's no surprise why I'm talking to you today um, on the topic of education and free expression, because in Wisconsin, there was a bill that I, I was reporting on last week, Assembly Bill 368, which would require school boards to allow any school district resident to inspect curriculum or instructional materials within two weeks of that resident's request to view those materials. And I'm curious, given your research, um, what stands out to you about this bill? Well, I think what's important to understand is that there is a national movement underway to really either exert direct pressure or censorship on schools or find other ways to almost indirectly um, put teachers and uh, librarians on notice that, you know, what they're teaching they ought to be, you know, extremely nervous about, that they, um, you know, ought to censor what it is that they're teaching. This began a few years ago with explicit prohibitions, you know, national conversation about, you know, not teaching about critical race theory or the 1619 Project from the New York Times or about gender and sexuality, like which was spearheaded originally in Florida. But the point is that now, three years into this, while that is continuing, we're also seeing this effort to basically, you know, muddy the waters around what it is we think of as the limitations of parents' rights when it comes to students in schools, and essentially developing mechanisms that might seem on their face reasonable, but when you dig into them and think about how schools have historically worked, you start to see how they're actually designed to, you know, intimidate, suppress, or basically just make the bureaucracy surrounding schools much more complicated for teachers. So this bill here, which has this mechanism of curriculum transparency, then contributes to this larger movement towards what you and the PEN America report call educational intimidation. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I think the, the concept of transparency for government institutions, that's something critical. That's so important in a democracy. And, you know, we're, we're not against that notion of transparency. I, I think what is key here is to understand how that terminology is being warped in such a way as to disrupt how schools normally do this. You know, most schools do, you know, most public education systems do publish curricula. You know, they purchase textbooks, but they also at the same time recognize that there needs to be a degree of professional discretion for uh, teachers to, you know, enhance students' lessons, for librarians to make decisions about what kinds of books are available to serve, you know, diverse communities with a wide range of reading abilities. I think what is often, you know, not well understood is that bills like this one essentially make it so that teachers have to scramble to meet new needs to kind of show, quote unquote, instructional materials or library materials to, you know, anybody who wants to see it. And while, you know, there really isn't necessarily a problem with that, you have to understand that the 
limitations of that desire to inspect are often unclear. In many cases, these kinds of bills are coupled with language about rights of people to then challenge those materials and object to them. And um, you know, while you know, many school districts and school boards do have opportunities for public comment, and I do think those are important when it comes to material selection, we also have to recognize that there's a degree of expertise in setting curriculum. And you know, just because, I don't know, one parent maybe objects to some aspect of science, does that mean that like all students in a school shouldn't be teaching it, that a teacher should be forced to feel like, you know, if they're teaching about that topic and, and using, you know, verified factual information that they should feel nervous about it? That is really what's at the heart of a lot of this. The idea of transparency is a good thing, but the rhetoric being used here about transparency becomes like a smoke screen for the politicization of education. Absolutely. You know, think about it this way. If you are a parent and you want to know what your child is learning in school, you have a range of ways of doing so. Number one, talk to your student's teacher. Number two, attend a curriculum night. Number three, you know, meet, meet with a, uh, a teacher or a principal and, you know, flip through some textbooks, etc. You know, a lot of this has historically existed reliant on a kind of relationship between individual educators and individual parents. What these bills basically do is they put around that new legislative, essentially like new law that would say that, you know, if you want to inspect something, uh, you can do so and a school must comply with that within two weeks. And you don't even have to be a parent. So you're basically um, putting a lot of pressure on schools and school districts and teachers to comply with what could be essentially an endless um, fishing expedition to find, you know, materials that people want to object to. And it's that fishing expedition that, you know, has no bounds around it and that has been used essentially to then intimidate teachers or to, um, you know, just overwhelm the system. We're seeing this in Florida right now already where, you know, new laws about books in schools are leading books to just, you know, in the face of demands to, you know, make things public and, and uh, defend every choice, you know, a lot of times it's just easier to suspend books and materials altogether. So, you know, the cumulative effect of this is shrinking the horizon of what it is that constitutes a high-quality education. That's highly alarming. Absolutely. The other concern here in Wisconsin is that we do have sunshine laws and public record laws. So folks can, anybody can go and make a request to see the curriculum in a given school district, and they are required by law to comply with those requests. So there's a sense of redundancy in the language of this bill. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is something typical we've seen actually in many states is that that kind of redundancy of law, but also law that's being written you know, probably really to uh, be used to fundraise or kind of for political purposes. You know, I see this a lot in higher ed with many of the laws that are being pushed right now around banning DEI or getting rid of tenure or, you know, other proposals to censor higher ed. And the thing is, if you want to improve education, if the goal is to improve education or improve parents' you know, role in students' education, the way to do that as a legislator is to bring people together, have some, you know, listening sessions, town halls, talk with your educators, talk with your experts, and then craft new law that supports 
everyone. That's not what's happening. And uh, I can tell you that because a lot of these laws in Wisconsin look identical to the laws that we're seeing kind of put out through bill mills in state after state, you know, uh, whether it's Utah or Tennessee or Virginia or Florida. It's all very similar in its wording and, and what it's aiming to do. And so I, I don't know that this is about, you know, actually serving parents' rights because when you step back from that concept, it doesn't actually mean any one individual parent. It means all parents. And so if all of this is going to undermine the state of education, it's going to make teachers you know, flee the profession or nervous about teaching, then you're not serving all parents at all. You're serving this minority. And you see that in the way that these laws uh, often are written to invite in challenges and, as I said, fishing expeditions from anybody, whether they have kids or not, whether they have kids in public school or not. And that's what we're seeing also around the country is that a lot of people who want to ban books or object to school curriculum, um, in many cases, you know, aren't actually parents uh, who are trying to uh, be involved in their own kids' education. Now, there's nothing wrong with people who want to be engaged citizens in a democracy involved in what it is that we teach in public schools. We all have a stake in creating you know, a society of citizens that is informed, where we embrace debate, where we are able to wrestle with you know, complex topics, whether that's history or identity or, you know, questions of running the economy, like, you know, none of that should be so controversial and so difficult for us to do. I think what we have to reckon with here is that these are laws that are being written essentially to politicize this further, to give, um, you know, like lone individuals greater power to disrupt education and challenge what's taught in schools um, than they had before. And this is where you have to question what the real motives are behind this and how it fits into that broader you know, national uh, picture. In some states, they do and have had success with passing some of these bills. And I think they've already proven disastrous. You know, in Montana, um, in Tennessee, there are bills that have um, these requirements that parents be notified about certain topics, uh, certain specific topics, you know, like a month in advance. But what that means is that you can't basically answer students' questions. And then, you know, in, in Tennessee, a, a, a librarian told parents she was going to teach a book about a kid who had no mom um, for Mother's Day last year. And then, you know, somebody said, well, you know, you can't teach that to my kids. And since I know it's on the docket to be taught on a certain date, I'm going to petition basically the principal to stop you from teaching it. And she was that mother was successful. The teacher was told um, she couldn't teach that lesson. So... In, in all of these places, you see a very similar playbook, and it is politically motivated. It is consistent across state lines. Maybe not all of these bills are passing, but some of them are, and they are starting to do real disruptive damage. I want to thank you for um, sharing your insights today about some of the legislation that is in the works here in Wisconsin. Great. Thank you so much.